Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. We believe big and we start small. A small boy is playing cricket alone in a backyard. The sound of a ball on bat echoes over the neighborhood rebounding over ordinary weatherboard bungalows in an ordinary Australian town. The bat is a cricket stump. The ball is a golf ball. The boy throws the ball against a curved corrugated wall. Each time he throws, it flies off at a different random angle. Sometimes he cuts. Sometimes he blocks, and sometimes he drives. Every time, though, he hits the ball. Every time. The boy does this every morning, every afternoon, every day, and every year for a decade. In his first game for the local school, age 12, he scores 115 runs not out. In the return match, his captain retires him on 72. For the third match, the opposing captain refuses to field a team if he is selected. A few years later, during his first season of club cricket, the boy scores 995 runs in just nine innings. In 1927, he plays his first class match, his first first class match. The next year, he plays for his country. 20 years later, he retires with an average test score of 99.94, dismissed one run short of an extraordinary extraordinary career average of 100. This boy's name was Donald Bradman. Today, Donald Bradman is widely acknowledged as the greatest batsman of all time. Bradman's career test battling average has been cited as the greatest achievement by any sportsman in any major sport. And this big achievement was birthed out of small beginnings. You see, for Bradman... The less than ideal small beginning hitting a golf ball against a curved wall with a cricket stump was the very process of preparation for the big success he would later achieve, easily hitting a cricket ball along a wide cricket bat. In the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, God at one point had commanded his people to rebuild and restore the temple. And during their work, some of them started viewing the restoration as small and insignificant. Maybe a little bit like this young boy hitting a golf ball with a cricket stump. And in response to the people viewing what they were doing as small and insignificant, the prophet Zechariah wrote these words from chapter 4 verse 10. Do not... Despise these small beginnings. Don't despise the small beginnings. All I've got is a cricket stump and a golf ball. How does this equate to becoming the best batsman in the world? 
All I've got is a handshake and a smile. How does that equate to doing something for eternal significance that will leave a legacy beyond my life on earth? Do not despise small beginnings, he wrote. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Why shouldn't we despise small beginnings? And why does God take this pleasure in our work during those seasons? It's because small beginnings are the preparation process for big achievements. And God, as your father, loves to see his children moving in the right direction. When God sees you throwing a golf ball against a crooked wall and hitting it with a cricket stump because that's all you've got, he smiles because he can equate what small beginnings will lead to in the great achievements he has for your life. The problem for many of us, the problem for me, myself, and I is that I often view small as the opposition to big. I associate bigger with being better. It's got to be bigger, stronger. It's got to look cooler. Then it's a good thing. Well, I don't want the small. I want a big one, please. McDonald's supersize had to come out because bigger is always better. Yet in God's order... In that kingdom principle, God says that small beginnings are the road signs pointing to bigger endings. For God, it's the flip side. Counterculture, bigger is not better to God, but greatness is seen in small beginnings. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, verse 43 of the message, Jesus speaks, and these words are recorded as he speaks. He says, whoever wants to be great, big. Influence, impact, life change. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to enter greatness has to come from a platform of the small servant position. That's not right, surely. If you want to be great, you need to achieve success and trump whoever you need to to get to the top. If you want to be great, you've, you've got to have all the money and it doesn't really matter if people lose out on your behalf so you got more. Yet Jesus says, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. He goes on, whoever wants to be first, I want to be first. God, I want your first and best for me. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. And then he says, this is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And we celebrated earlier how his service was laying his life on the cross, defeating death, being raised from the dead, so that today you can stand in eternal life, salvation and deliverance, knowing that in this world you will have trials, but you can take heart in the words of Jesus because he has overcome the world. And as we put on the lenses of faith, understanding that small beginnings are the exciting process toward the great ending. God has for us, we change the way we live and engage with our struggles. Jesus associates greatness with the very positions our culture associates with insignificance. Jesus himself reveals this, to think that a small baby boy born to a young virgin in an animal's feeding trough would end up being the savior of the world. The greatest event in history began with the crying of a baby in an animal's food trough. 
do not despise small beginnings. Imagine how big Jesus had to think to cope with living in a human body with all its limitations and boundaries, patiently waiting until the age of 30 to spend three years transforming history, ultimately ending with his life on a cross. Imagine how big he had to be able to see. In fact, Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross on our behalf. The joy set before him was a big vision of the world coming to salvation. We believe big and start small. So the first thing we need to acknowledge this morning is that great achievements are birthed from small beginnings. Because the preparation for all your endings and outcomes is hidden in your small beginnings. But there's another aspect to this. We can't just walk away from here going, oh, okay, cool. So I'm not going to like freak out if like I start something and it's small and go like, oh, what God, can God do with this? It's so dumb. Now you, there needs to be more to this. I, I, I can't just give you knowledge. It's when you apply God's word that you activate its power. So there's got to be more. And so let me rephrase that slightly. Great achievements are birthed from small beginnings that require our action. Not only do the great things of God start with small beginnings, but they call for us to respond. They call for us to engage in the midst of the small season. And Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 26, reveals this kingdom principle in the illustration Jesus shares about the dynamic and the ways of the kingdom of God, which in some ways are mysterious to us. And so he says this to those that are listening, as recorded in Matthew chapter 21, verse 14 to 26. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can't be, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's have a party. Whoop, whoop. The servant who had received the two bags bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest in. I've earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. Woo! Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, kind of harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Uh, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, um, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. You see, 
Those that worked with the little they had gained more for their faithful service. But those who despised and buried their little lost even more. Imagine if Donald Bradman, that cricketer, had decided that because he couldn't afford a cricket bat and ball and didn't have a nice large area to hit, it would rather not, he would rather not keep practicing. You know what? This sucks so bad. I don't have a cricket bat like the other guy or a ball. I have this dumb golf ball and this, this stick and a wall that's not straight. You know, I just give up. I, imagine what future potential would have been lost had he not continued to remain faithful with the little bit he had against that wall day in, day out, year in, year out, just waiting on the road of the process of preparation because we will not despise small beginnings. In fact, just like the servants that took what they were given, we will take what God has given us in our personal lives and as a church and we will put it to work, faithfully serving and on the platform of serving faithfully, the one day comes just like it came for Donald Bradman. The breakthrough comes, the harvest for our faithful sowing in the seasons of the small. Rick Warren said, great opportunities often disguise themselves in small tasks. Thomas A. Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. No, 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 no. God, God like, God, I want a good future. I want like, I want the best. I want big things, God. Woo! I want them in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm, I'm looking now. I can't see them yet. Okay, wait. I, God, I asked you for the big, God, I believed you for the, in Jesus' name. I can't see a big thing yet, God. And he's saying, stop looking for big things and become faithful with the little where you are. Because that is the process that takes you to the greater things God has for your life. There is something very much mysterious about the process of becoming a servant to the will of God over and above your own ideas, your own decisions, and your own comfort. There's something very powerful about that. And I can't explain it with mathematical equations. I can only reveal this principle through what we see in God's word. It's almost like if where you are right now, you began to become the servant that actually took hold and stewarded what you had, it might be the very thing that gives you the breakthrough you've been waiting for in the bigger things that lie ahead. It may be the reason you haven't got there because you've waited looking for the cricket field and the cricket bat instead of just taking the the golf ball and the cricket stump you have and remaining faithful where you are with what you've got. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. What we need to understand is that God gives each of us a talent just like he gave to his servants as we read in Matthew chapter 25. And what we need to understand is although in this illustration they use money as currency, this illustration that Jesus spoke of is speaking more about using well what God has entrusted each of us with. That is your time on earth. The talents and abilities and expertise he's given you and your treasure. Your time, talents, and treasure has been put in your hand. For some of us, 
it's a five talent, and for others, it's a one. But it's not the size of the talent that determines the scope of the servant's impact. Hear this. It's the actions of the servant with the talents he's been given. It's not about the size of the talents. Because an Australian kid without a cricket bat and a cricket ball could become one of the greatest batsmen in the world with something that was pathetic. I wonder how many boys had the privilege of getting the best equipment at the same age, going to one of the greatest private schools that specialize in cricket and getting personal training. I wonder how many of those were exceeded in achievement by this man, Donald, because he simply took the little he had and was faithful with it instead of comparing himself or thinking he had to have all the things that others did. So here's my question. Straight up to you in your personal life. What are you doing with the time, talents, and treasure God has entrusted to you? I know it's uncomfortable. I really do. Because being a parent in this day and age is like, uh, it's, uh, it's like everything's just the blur. Having a 12-year-old that you're getting ready for high school and a 7-year-old that wants you to play every second of the day. Having trips to schools, having to like leave meetings early and then come in in the evening to meet with teams. And then, oh my word, don't talk about bills and the cost of living. And, and forget about that. Think about the information overload and access we have. 12 at night, I'm receiving emails and waking up because I got this thing called a smartphone now. I don't work 8.30 till 4 o'clock and I don't have a choice but to go home. And if there's an emergency, hopefully someone can get through on my landline anymore. I'm overloaded with the information, the pressure, the pace, and many of us are sitting here now, and I'm asking this question, and you're going, isn't that a bit insensitive? Like, whoa, whoa, okay, you're one of those church guys that expect us to, like, give our lives to the church, you know? Sign your life off to the point at which one day you despise it because you've been on that coffee list for so many years doing it. You kind of wrangle your way around, coming in, like, half ready, and you just feel like you've got a duty to do. But I'm not asking the question to try and lead you into places like that. Let me try and give you some perspective here. It's important to understand the issue is not about what or how much time you have, treasure you have, or talent you have. It's about what you do with what you've got. So, so when you say to me, Grant, but I don't have time. Don't, do you understand? I don't have treasure, like, or I don't have talents. I've seen others. I don't, I'm not asking you what you don't have. I'm asking you what you do. Because God only needs you to be faithful with what you do have. The key is not to prioritize what's on your calendar. You know, on your phone, you like put in your calendar there. The key is not to prioritize what's on your calendar but to set your calendar to your priorities. You know, Grant, I just don't have time in the week because um, I do so much sport. Okay, that's what your calendar says. But what is your priority? See, because your priority should be calendarized first. And here's the thing. 
If entering into the bigger and greater things of God is our priority, we will work around ensuring we get the opportunity to serve him in whatever capacity it may be. We have a single mom in our church that can do administration. She carries a job during the week and then has to work weekends to make ends meet for her home and her son. And what she does is she has a few hours each day where she can come in. And so on her way home from picking up her son, who's, who's uh, at daycare, she shoots into the offices here and she picks up administration for us. And she's like, okay, what can I do? She types out some stuff. She da- Guess what? She has every reason to go, you don't understand. I'm a single mother doing two jobs, even over the weekend, trying to make ends meet. And you're saying to me, I need to serve, find the greatest things of God. It's not about you having to do a religious duty. It's about part of you entering into the greater things God has by operating as a servant and prioritizing the privilege of getting to do that somewhere in your busy life. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, It says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. (laughs) If you wait for the perfect, okay, but you don't understand. We're just doing this, so not now. Now, imagine uh, if uh, Donald had waited for the perfect conditions. Imagine if he waited until he got a cricket bat and until he got a cricket ball and had a big garden to play. And imagine if he had waited. The irony is if he had waited for the perfect conditions and they had come, it might have sabotaged the kind of skill he developed using what was imperfect. Start where you are with what you have. So let me rephrase that question to be a little more sensitive. What can you do with what you have where you are. What can you do with what you have where you are? Because serving faithfully in the seasons of small leads us into seasons of big. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, You will be faithful in large ones. God, I want the larger things you have. God, I want the bigger things you have for this community. God, I want the bigger stories you have of the impact on individual lives and people that had no hope. God, I want to believe that you have bigger things for my family. God, I want to believe that, Jesus, there's a breakthrough financially. God, I want to believe that you would heal and do what only you can do in this situation. And all we need to do is begin to serve faithfully where we are with what we have. And so what can you do with what you have where you are? Maybe all you've got is that cricket stump, and a golf ball. Maybe that's all you've got. You're standing saying, Grant, you don't understand. What are you going to do with a cricket stump and a golf ball? The two don't even, you don't even use them on the same field. Come on now. How does this equate to greatness in my future? Grant, all I have is the ability to, to do design work. What are you going to do with that? Grant, all I have the ability to do is smile at people and make them feel welcome. Grant, all I can do is make a really good cup of coffee <laughs> while you're in right away. Grant, all I can do is pray. But maybe, maybe that's all you do need to do. Maybe you just need to take your cricket stump and your golf ball. 
And maybe you just need to start hitting against that skew, crooked wall. It's not right and the conditions aren't perfect. And you know, I would rather not be doing this, but you just start going. And, and then guess what happens? While you're busy, just, just hitting it against the wall and figuring it out, some guys walk past you with cricket bats. They laugh. They think you're a bit dumb. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> But you just keep faithfully serving and you just keep doing just like that, that crazy guy Noah that, that started building an ark. There was no rain. People walked past and said, you're crazy until it began to rain. And at some stage while you're faithfully just, just taking what you got and you, you, you think it's insignificant, you're going, this is dumb. How's this doing anything? Like I'm coming in and I'm doing this one thing for the church, walking away, ooh, change the world. But do not despise small beginnings. And you just keep hitting that golf ball against the wall. Stop comparing what you've got. Sometimes we see the bigger around us and we can get caught up trying to get the bigger instead of being faithful with the smaller that we have. Don't get so obsessed with finding the big that you miss the small that would get you there. I want the big cricket bat now. I want the church with a thousand. I want a massive auditorium with upstairs. I want HD cameras so we can have live broadcasts. I want full-time employed musicians. I want a branch of Southside that does social justice where we're pouring millions into projects in our local community. I die, die, yes. And God says, begin to be faithful with what you've got where you are. So, I want to ask you if you would take your cricket stump and if you would take your golf ball and join us on the journey of exploring this mysterious God that somehow leads us into great things through our faithful servanthood where we are.